0: Now, let me start off by sharing a picture of my family. Anywhere I go, I bring a picture of my family. And so if we can bring that up, that would be great. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Brienne. There she is. That's who Jeff married, my wife, Brienne and I. Then we have three little girls, Brielle, Beatrice, and Bren. Now, you might look at that picture and say, that's a great picture. But I got to confess, it takes about 20 pictures like this next one to get one good one. <laughs> if you have little kids, you know how horrible it is to get him to look at the camera all at the same time, but uh, the picture on the right is more a a true depiction of my life right now, complete chaos, but I love every minute of it. Now, I know for, for me, what I've enjoyed most about being a dad, about being a parent, is the opportunity to get to know each of my kids. Like, you know, those little unique things that make them special, just their personalities and their little things that they do on a day-in and day basis. I've really have enjoyed getting to know that about each of them. And I've equally enjoyed them getting to know me as their dad. So I know that Brielle right now, she's really into Barbies. My goodness, we have like 600 Barbies in our house. And Brielle, she loves Barbies in the sense that she dresses them every day. She dresses them every day, and then before she gets to bed, she's got to put the pajamas on, these seven Barbies, and they have names, and then they lie in bed with her. Brielle also, I know that she loves to wear leggings. Now, I don't know women's fashion. I'm learning as I go with $3. I think I'll probably be pretty good in about the next 18 years. But Brielle loves to wear leggings. She also does not like boys, which, hey... I'm okay with. That's fine with me. She's kind of worried about them. And and so that's I know that about Brielle and Beatrice. I know that Beatrice loves macaroni and cheese. I don't know what it is about this child, but she is a macaroni and cheese kind of sewer. She loves macaroni and cheese. Beatrice loves flamingos. Just it's just the weirdest. she loves flamingos. We got flamingo shirts, she wears them, just got a flamingo that lights up in her room. She just had that on last night. She loves flamingos. And she also loves watching Barbie movies with her sister. Now, Bryn, I know that Bryn loves to eat things. Doesn't matter if it's fur, dirt, sticks, sidewalk chalk. Bryn loves to put things in her mouth. Recently, we've learned that Bryn loves noise when she sleeps, which has made mom and dad very happy once we get that sleep machine in her room. And Bryn adores her sisters. They know me, I'm a Cavs fan. They know that for me, Cavs this past year was a thrill. They started watching Cavs with me, uh, cheering them on to that championship. They know I love oatmeal cream pies. My girls know that I eat a bowl of Life cereal every night before I go to bed. They know I don't like to share food, especially cookies. They know that my wife loves the Antique show, and I do not, which causes some tension in our house when it comes on. Sometimes I wonder, does God know me like I know my girls? Does God know you? Do I know God like my girls know me? I wrestle with that. God is so infinite. He is incomprehensible. He's he's far beyond what we can think. And yet, he can be so personal. Right? Right? I mean, the God of the universe knows me? The God of the universe knows you? Doesn't that sound kind of crazy? Do you ever struggle with that? Like, God, do you really know me? Do you know what makes me unique? Do you know the details of my life? And I struggle, and I think we all do, when we start to come across things in our lives when it just says, like, God, if you really knew me, then why am I going through what I'm going through? So I think for all of us, we can acknowledge that God is infinite. He is incomprehensible. He is the creator of all things. And when it comes to acknowledging, does God really know me? Sometimes I wonder if we struggle with that. Because life can be so difficult. Maybe we don't announce it in church. That I'm struggling. Does God really know me? But in your heart, Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you are tonight. Tonight, I want to speak from Psalm 139, which is maybe one of the greatest Psalms in the book. I love Psalm 139, which helps to describe an infinite God in a personal way. And I want to encourage you. I want to share about my life and things that God has teaching me, even the recently in past two weeks, of how God truly is infinite. He is beyond our imagination, and yet he knows me, and he knows you. So if you have your Bible, turn into Psalm 139. I know you guys have been in Psalms for the past six weeks or so, got to listen to Jeff's sermon, and Jeff's right, Psalms is just a book of prayers, and this prayer is written by David. And David reveals how personal God can be. And tonight, I hope I can give you three ways that God is personal with us. And I want to end by giving you what I think is the key to experience this infinite God in such a personal and profound and intimate way. So I'm just going to start, and let's read even verses 1 through 6, because I want to take it chunk by chunk here. And it says this, You have searched me, Lord. This picture is a picture of me with my oldest daughter, Brielle, as we went for maybe our first hike in the woods. And I love walking with my daughters. There might be nothing that gives me greater joy than to walk alongside my kids. And this story, even Brielle was probably close to two. And we hadn't been to the park yet. I think she was a little uneasy about the whole experience. And there's something about as a dad, reaching down to your daughter. And grabbing her hand, or in this case, hold onto to the leash and walking with her, and they're sure that I'm with her. And I look at this picture and I think, this is the way that God wants us to see us with him. This infinite God is so personal that he is walking with us through life. And Psalm 139 begins to break this down. The first point I want to make tonight is, is uh, point number one, as far as, God knows us. And you see that in the first six verses of Psalm 139. We need to know that the Lord knows everything there is about me and about you. He knows everything. It even says here, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. I mean, that is incredible. As I look back on my life up into this point, I can see how the Lord knew what was going on in my life. And he knew what he had to do to work his perfect plan for my life into my imperfect life. You see, I can go back to when I was 14 years old. And I know that when I went forward a church in Fairlawn, a small church, to receive Jesus as my Savior, the Lord knew I had a genuine interest in knowing him. He knew that at age 16, I had a desire to help people because I began to experience the love of God in such a profound way. I was actually considering going to Papua New Guinea because my cousin was a missionary over there. At the age of 16, I just got my license. And I'm asking my mom and dad, hey, I want to go to Papua New Guinea. I didn't know where it was on the map. I just heard that my cousins were serving the Lord and I wanted to do that too. You see, God knew as I approached my senior year, I would wrestle with acceptance among friends. And he knew that when I took my first sip of alcohol, it would begin to lead to a progression of addiction. And that by the time I graduated high school, he knew that when I decided decided to go to high university, that it would be a bad path for me, because that fun weekend drink every now and then would lead to a serious addiction that led to depression and loneliness. God knew this. You see, God knew, I can look back, even at OU after two years and my GPA being 2.0, God knew that my parents would say, son, you gotta come back to Akron and go to Akron, Ohio, Akron U. He knew I'd be upset about that. He knew I'd fall deeper in depression. But God knew that when I turned 20, he knew that he would be able to use the suicide of my cousin Mark in Chicago. Again, bad situation, but he can still work good at that. He knew that he could pierce my heart and help me understand that I had no hope in life. He knew that after that I would come back to Akron U and, and jump into psychology because I wanted to help people with their problems. Seeing the devastation it brought upon my family as Mark took his own life. He knew that I would need somebody to help me navigate this idea of what it looked like to be a man and follow Jesus and then enter into ministry, something I had no concept of. So God knew that when I went to the chapel, there was going to be a church picnic. And with 3,000 people, he knew that when I'd be at the top of the hill, a guy named Jeff Martel would come along and introduce himself to me. He knew that there would be a connection. And God knew that we'd form a friendship. And God knew that Jeff would invite me to be an intern at the chapel sometime afterwards. And that internship, God knew that it would come to the chapel where I'd learn ministry. And God knew that he would take me to a new point then where I'd find a passion for leadership most recently. But God also knew that I would grow restless. And i want to get out in the community. And he knew that there was going to be a spot open at Pregnancy Solutions and Services. And that's where I find myself today. You see, in Psalm 37, 23 and 24, in the New Living Translation, it says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in the details of our lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for He holds them by the hand. The Lord knows the details of our lives. He's able to direct our steps, And even if we stumble in life, the Lord is able to grab our hand and continue to move us through it. So what about you? Where can you look back on your life and see the hand of God and be able to say, you know what, God, you must have known that was going to happen because how I got from here to there can only be explained by your grace and how you've moved. We continue on verses 7 through 12. The second point is that God is with us. Not only does God know us, God is with us. The past two weeks have probably, perhaps been the most troubling and most difficult weeks in my life. I show a picture of my father with my daughter, Brielle. Even last month, this was taken on June 11th, we were playing golf for the first time. You see, my father's been battling prostate cancer for two years. First, he went through rounds of radiation. They thought they got it. He was pretty confident. They did, only to realize it didn't work. So last summer, this time last summer, he started six rounds of chemotherapy, aggressive chemotherapy. They thought they got it. In March, we learned that they didn't get it. Actually, it came back more aggressive. They gave him about one to two years to live. They put him on some medication to hopefully stifle a little bit. But we still thought, okay, we still got one or two more years with my father. That was March. Past two weeks, he started having trouble. Past month, he started having trouble walking. We thought it was his medication. Again, this was four weeks ago. Went to the hospital, took an MRI, found out he had a brain bleed caused by the cancer that caused paralysis on the left side of his body. Worst case about it is his white uh, blood uh, white platelets or whatever they're called his platelets are so low because now the cancer had moved into his bones. The doctor said, "Listen, I don't think your dad is going to make it through the weekend. He may even die tonight." That was 2 weeks ago. You know, what do you do with this? What do you do with this? Praise God. Doctors don't have a final say. He did get moved into hospice, but he did so well, he stabilized, that they moved him now to home hospice. So my father is at least at home. But we don't know how much time we'll have with him. I still can't believe, praise God, he's here, from what the doctors said. You know, there's a moment in that time where I was really mad. I was mad. I remember uh, it was a Saturday, uh, June 16th, or July 16th. And we knew that day my father was going to be moved into hospice. It was crushing my mom. It was crushing our entire family. And I was praying that morning out in my back patio, and I was like yelling, "I can't believe my wife did it!" I was just—I was. There was so much emotion in my heart that I was just crying out to God. And I went up that day and I saw my dad. He even looked worse the day before. And to see him sign himself into hospice was probably one of the worst moments of my life. Because there's a feeling like this is it. My dad is going to die. I will never play golf with my dad again. My dad will never come home. My dad will probably never see my girls again. Brim won't know him. All these thoughts came in my mind. And then I had my mom just having a very difficult time with it all. So I went for a walk in Akron, and I'm on East Market, and my hands are going everywhere. I can't believe I didn't get arrested. Because I was just being so honest with God. You want to talk about a raw human experience? I was letting God know of my disappointment. I was letting God know of my frustration. I was letting God know I cannot lose my dad right now. And then this thought came to me. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely love and goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And in that moment, on East Market, I stopped waving my hands. And I said, God, you're with me. You're with my dad, aren't you? You see, even Psalm 23 teaches us that the Lord is with us. For us, in 2016, we have no concept of sheep, but back then, sheep, everybody had a concept of what this meant, because the quality of the shepherd determined the quality of the sheep. You have a bad sheep, or a bad shepherd, you have bad sheep. You have a good shepherd, you have good sheep. A good shepherd is able to provide for his sheep so that they are able to calm themselves down and actually lie down in green grass, which is even a sign of a good shepherd because the pasture is nice. I mean, there's so many things even there. So this concept of Psalms is everything because it teaches us to walk through these human emotions all with God and allow God to turn around and to teach us what he needs us to know. I don't know, you may not feel like God is with you right now, but I'm here to tell you He is. You can't escape God. Where can we go? God is here, He's with you. He is walking through whatever you are facing. And sometimes it just takes crying out to Him, let it all come out, and then for Him, in a gentle whisper, Say, I am your shepherd. Just like Jeff was talking about that first week. The Lord is my shepherd. Wait a second. You're here, aren't you? That's point number two. Let me go with uh, point number three here. To continue to see how personal God truly can be. Verse 13 through 16 say this. You need to know this. You are uniquely created by God. Do you believe that? You are uniquely created by God. God created me. God created you. He created everyone on this planet. Here's our little Brielle at uh, 20 Weeks. But my wife was pregnant, and uh, we should have known then as she was waving to us on that picture on the left that she was going to be a little chatterbox. But even look at the spine on the left that she's waving on the right. Um, Look at the the spine, the rainbow arch of the spine. This is at 20 weeks post-conception. Did you know that at four weeks after conception, the heart begins to beat? Did you know that by five weeks, tiny arms appear as well as the baby's face, probably before a woman even knows she's pregnant? Did you know that by six weeks, tiny fingers and toes develop? At seven weeks, buds of a baby's milk teeth appear. 99% of muscles are present, and the brain activity is detectable. And by eight weeks, the baby begins spontaneous movement and is now well proportioned about the size of a adult human thumb. Did you know that at nine weeks, a baby can close his or her hands and eyelids? And at 10 weeks, he now has fingerprints while nerve and muscle connections triple. At 11 weeks, she practices breathing and facial expressions, even smiling. At At 12 weeks, he can feel and respond to skin stimulation. At 13, 14, 15 weeks, a baby can move all their joints and sense light through the mommy's tummy. At 16 weeks, a major milestone has hit as her heart is pumping 25 quarts of blood and will only increase. With that 17 weeks, her soft cartilage is now turning to bone. At 18 weeks, did you know that a baby's sex is fully determined? And at 19 weeks, he can begin using all five senses, even recognizing voices. And at 20 weeks... About the size of a banana, his or her heart has beat at least 21 million times and is now ready for rapid development with everything in place to sustain life. Did you know that with Ohio law, an abortion can take place up to 21 weeks? As much as Brienne took tremendous care of her body when she was pregnant, Never once did Brianne, while we were watching the Antique Roadshow, say, honey, we got to get this nervous system run. Can you help me thread the the nerves to the spine? Never once did we talk about where the femur would be placed. How does this happen? It is God. He creates us. Our mission at PSS... I don't know if you've ever seen it, but we're over on Manchester Road, is to uh, honor God as we seek to save the unborn from abortion and lead men and women to a relationship with Jesus Christ. As a pregnancy medical center, we offer free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, and free options counseling to men and women in any unplanned pregnancy. We are there to come alongside them, to empower them, to educate them, and to support them through the parenting process. It's an incredible ministry, fighting what is the number one death in the United States, which is abortion. Last year, 1.3 million babies were aborted. Heart disease is second, only taking the lives of 600,000 Americans. What God has done with me, what God has done with you, he wants to do with your coworker, with your neighbor, with your friends. With your, with your schoolmates, which is for them to know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. God is a personal God, including to the unborn. God is, is not concerned about race or economic status or geographic location or age, He doesn't discriminate between age or gender, He is God who knows us, who is with us, because he created us. Most recently, we had a, a, a story of a, a woman who came in, and she was involved in a pretty abusive relationship. And the nurse, our ultrasonographer, our nurse, was able to get a scan of the, of the baby that truly took our breath away. And I wanted to bring it tonight. I don't know if you noticed, but this baby actually has its fist up in the womb. And we were able to point out to this woman who is in a pretty difficult situation that, look, your baby is even fighting for you. You see, you, you get to see the marvelous works of God, including in the womb. And I had the privilege to sit down with this woman, even just last month. She's due probably any day now. And you know what I told her with our client advocate that she was really wrestling with some needs? I said, God loves you. And she didn't believe it. She she actually said, I would like to to, to believe it, but I, I don't believe it. I said, well, he does. I said, God loves you. It broke my heart. But here's a woman who probably went through tremendous adversity throughout her life and is probably looking to say, if God truly loves me, then why has all these things happened? And all I can do in that moment is say, he loves you. And our work is never done. Just last week, we got an email uh, from a a woman who just said, do you guys do abortions, and how far along? I just found out I'm 18 weeks and cannot keep it. Please help And what I want to tell this woman through email, if I could reach through and actually hold her, I, I want to say, do you know that there is a God who is infinite, far more than we could ever comprehend, that knows what you are going through, that is willing to walk with you, and he loves you not only because he created you, but he created that baby inside of you. Because this is what we are trying to do. This is what we have before us, which is to make God known. To allow people to be able to experience that God is so personally connected to the details of our lives because God in his splendor created everything there is about us. So do you believe that God created you? If so, doesn't that do something to your value of yourself, to your self-esteem, to your feeling of if you're being defined by another person or a job, or you're trying to be defined by your financial success, or you're trying to be defined by whatever happens in the election? Do you know what that will do to you personally? Do you want to know the greatest place to find your worth and value as a human being? To know that I am created by God. And he wants to know me. So let me end with giving you what I think is the key in being able to experience this God in a personal way. David closes the Psalm in verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. That's hilarious, isn't it? What a peculiar thing to say to the Lord. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. Here's what I would like for you to take away today. And this is the the main point here that we're drawing to. So the next slide, if I could. God is a personal God, but only to the extent that we invite him to be. God is a personal God, but only to the extent we invite him to be. You see, David understands that there is complete junk in his heart. He is harboring hate for his enemies. And he's, I think he begins to understand that in order to experience God in this truly profound, personal way, he's got to let the junk come out. And in some ways, what I did on East Mark is the very same thing that David must have done in the cave as he was running from the people who wanted to kill him. And so I really think that the key in experiencing God in a personal way is inviting him into our lives. Not with phoniness or fakeness or stiff prayers, but to go to him like David did and be as transparent as we can be with the Lord, to be as honest as we can be with him, to be able to share the deepest and darkest things. Because when you invite God to search your heart, know this, he will search it. And he will point out the very things that are causing you to stumble or causing you to sin. And like David says, he will, after that, lead you into knowing how to live and what to think. That will not only bring glory to himself, but will help you live the life that God is so desperate for you to want to experience, which is the abundant life in his son, Jesus Christ. You may say, but Brett, what if what is in my heart is just too bad, though? I don't know what you've done, but we've all had those things where it's like, I can't fathom sharing this with the Lord. I have sat with men and women who have gone through abortions. They are post-abortive. It breaks my heart. You know why? Because they are believing a lie from Satan that they are unworthy now. That God does not love them now. That the action that they took is there's nothing they can do to even reverse it. And they live shackled in a cell believing lies about themselves. You know what they need to do is just confess that to the Lord and say, this is in my heart. And we all can do that. To acknowledge those very things that are deep down in our hearts. When we say, search my heart, David writes, and know it. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. David is inviting the God who knows him, who is with him, who created him. To do the very thing that David already knows is true. David's just given him permission for himself to acknowledge those things. And so for you, know that this infinite God that we worship, beginning and end, the one who placed the mountains where they are, incomprehensible God who created everything, is a God who wants to walk with you through life. And when that real, raw human experience begins to unfold, which is essentially every day, right? God is with you. He knows you. He created you. That's why he loves you. And so I want to end by just praying for maybe three groups who might be represented in this room. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't believe this yet. Brett, sounds good, like the idea of it, but I just cannot believe it. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here tonight, and you do believe this, but you're really struggling with it. Brett, I, I, I really believe that God is personal, and knows me, but you know what? These past two weeks have just been really, really hard, and I'm really struggling. I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here tonight, and you believe it, and you're ready just to deepen your faith even more. Because of these truths, I want to pray for you too. So as the band gets ready to lead us another song of worship, let me, let me pray and ask the Lord to help us in these ways.